interesting thought to think about these uh, birds with no arms being the ones that are driving the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Richard. Let me let me talk about it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Sky Elcherson, and with me today are my co-hosts, Adam and Christina. Say hello. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Glad to have you guys both back. Christina, especially. We kind of had you half and half on the last episode, so now we have you for the full time, which I'm excited about. Yes. And even more exciting is it? it's because it's the 50th episode of Floor 9. It's the semi-centennial. Did I say that right? Nice. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Are you guys not excited I about it? I feel like it? we needed a sound effect or something. Well, I can put that in there. Okay. You know, it'll be there. Drop in some trumpets or something. Yeah, insert ta-da or fanfare. Yeah. Um, major <laughs> accomplishment. It is a major accomplishment, especially since we we just found out that uh, 75% of all podcasts end after the seventh episode. So bravo all around, everybody. I'll give, you some, give ourselves some claps for this. Um, anything that you guys like to say on the 50th episode? Just kick things off before we dive in. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay happy monday it is <laughs> um so this week we're we're talking about tiktok and the changing social media landscape um and so i would just love to start right there uh and define what tiktok is for anybody that hasn't already messed around with uh this new social media app so adam do you want to quickly give an overview of tiktok for our audience in case nobody has mess with it before yeah it's uh kind of similar to the previous social media app vine in that it is mm-hmm. around sh- creating short videos um but i think uh the interesting things about tiktok are how it's different from vine in that um, you have an algorithmically driven feed that will show you content um, regardless of if you follow anybody so even before you sign in you can um, start watching content and based on how much you engage with it it will start to show you other similar content that it thinks you're gonna going to enjoy um but uh of course it is a social media platform you can follow people and and all of that stuff um and the other thing is that just the formats that have popularized themselves on TikTok are really around um, sort of templates of how to do mm-hmm. videos. Un- unlike things like Vine, where everybody was just trying to make their own funny skits and things like that, um, TikTok, people are trying to do that, but a lot of the community is built around um, uh, you know, what started out as as uh, lip syncing videos and, and now has turned into all kinds of other uh, sort of templates for uh, video content where it's about taking something that other people are doing and putting a slight spin on it to make it new and original. Yeah. Remix culture. I mean, yeah. that seems to be what TikTok is built itself upon. Yep. Um, also challenges. It seems like they have a lot of, uh, either challenges that are sponsored by TikTok themselves or that are put out there by users. So again, it kind of goes to this template format that you can easily put your content into to help kind of spiral that, uh, you know, new remix, whatever it might be. Uh, but you know, Christina, have you been on TikTok? Are you in, in the weeds? Have you messed around with it? Like what, like, what are your thoughts on it? I've browsed on it and I've spent a decent amount of time on it. I think My initial reaction is I don't get it, but I think, (laughs) but I think that's exactly the point. I think that it's a place where people of either the same age or the same interest are concentrated and they get it. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, older millennials, 
Gen X boomers go on it and don't get it. And I actually think that's part of what makes it special and unique and catching fire as it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, to your point, like I have followed some TikTok accounts on Twitter uh, because I don't actually sign into TikTok. Uh, and some of the content that is produced is very wacky and out there. Um, and for me, it's like hard, hard to follow sometimes. Like I, I, don't, I don't quite connect with it. I think I think that that might be about not engage. Like I think if you were on TikTok more often, mm-hmm. you might engage and understand. Just like this happens on Twitter and Instagram too, where some meme is happening, and if you just see one person posting, um, as sort of out of context, it doesn't entirely make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're following how the meme is developing over the course of a day or two, you kind of understand how this fits in the context of the rest of that. That is my theory. Is that because I also experience most of TikTok on Twitter or on Instagram and outside of, of TikTok itself. Um, but I think that there, it is just like context that you're missing. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think this is to your point, we, you miss the cultural cues that mm. TikTok is first talking about and then amplifying and remixing. If you don't understand the original cultural context or topic or whatever it is, you kind of miss the whole point of the story and the evolution and yeah because i don't think it's a it's a specifically generational thing i do know that in china one of the biggest uh growing demographics of tiktok viewers or or consumers um is over 50 seniors in china are going crazy for tiktok right now um and they're producing a lot of their own content so it's not like a i don't think it's specifically generational i think it has more to do with just the cultural context in on the joke yeah exactly Mm -hmm. it's not yeah some of the jokes obviously you're not gonna maybe not appreciate as much as others based on other culture that you consume but uh, i think a lot of it is just being present on the native platform yeah, I mean that makes that makes sense. It's hard to uh, be a part of something if you're not in the actual environment itself. Um, so when we talk about TikTok, um, it is rather new in these past you know year and a half to eighteen months. Um, does it have staying power, especially here in in the U.S. Uh, in China? It's obviously a, a different story. Uh, but just thinking about it, like, can it stick around and compete with these other social platforms that we have here in the U.S.? What do you guys think? I think there hasn't been a social media platform that has bubbled up and gotten into the mainstream consciousness. I can't remember the last one. Probably um, Snapchat. So I Snapchat. So mm-hmm. I think it's cleared this barrier to entry in social media attention. I think the second. It's interesting that you say that about China with um, fifty plus coming on it. You kind of see with other social media platforms. Like once parents get on the platform, (laughs) the kids abandon it. I don't know that that happens in the U.S. exactly because of what we were talking about. It's a zeitgeist thing. It's a cultural amplification tool. And I don't know how that translates to other generations, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think, I do think it has staying Mm -hmm. power. I read over the weekend that they were reducing their advertising spend in the U.S., TikTok was, and that uh, we have seen uh, usage numbers fall off sort of in in accordance with that. Mm -hmm. So that is a little suspicious. It does make it seem like they might be, you know, buying their users and their engagement at the moment, um, which is not surprising for like a relatively new service. The question is just, you know, sans any 
external advertising spend or minimal external mm-hmm. advertising spend, um, what would TikTok's audience in the U.S. look like? And I think it w- definitely would shrink. Um, I also think that they're kind of I- in danger of seeing some of their formats and uh, um, and uh, use of it shift to other platforms because clearly Instagram could you know uh, capture some of that if they wanted to. Twitter could relaunch a better video product if they really <laughs> wanted to after shutting down Vine. Uh, I, you know, I think that it's um, at least right now. I don't know that that, and there are enough users who have built up enough of a following on TikTok, partially because it doesn't necessarily incentivize that right. to force to create the network effects that sort of force attention onto that platform, as opposed to just the formats of TikTok. Right. Yeah. And I, I think your point, like, like, like the formats, I think are, are definitely going to have the, like the staying power, whether that sticks with TikTok or goes to Facebook and Instagram or Snapchat, like wherever yep. it might be. Uh, Cause like, like the way people are discovering content, you know, is not based off of who they follow, but like what they like. Uh, and then even thinking about the older generation go, going to the TikTok, um, if their content is good and it's funny and it, you know, makes somebody laugh and they discover it through the feed that is recommended to them based on the content they like. I mean, I think that'll be totally fine. Like, I don't think uh, having older people come onto the platform is going to necessarily kick pe- young people off because if the content's good that they produce, uh, it's going to surface the way that it needs to be to make it relevant. Yeah, and from from what I've been reading, the uh, we're sort of seeing Gen Z use Snapchat now mostly for messaging and communication, private mm-hmm. communication, and TikTok has sort of become the public social. So it's kind of equivalent to Facebook versus Twitter um, for Gen Z. So it makes sense that there might be something like that. And it makes sense, I think, in 2019 that it's more video focused. Um, But again, I think it's because their rise has been so quick and so uh, funded by paid advertising. I think until that really levels off, we're not we're not going to know exactly how how long term it's going to it's going to last. Yeah, no, I will. Only time will tell, I guess. So you brought up messaging with um, Gen Z. And so I want to take a quick second and kind of pivot into this idea of like messaging based social media. Um, and really, Facebook's whole initiative in 2019 is like like their pivot to privacy. So focusing on groups, focusing on messaging, uh, they just announced the new Facebook threads product. Um, so like my question I'm kind of thinking about is like, is Facebook willing to unbundle themselves uh, in this pivot to privacy to, I guess, meet the needs of the consumers and no longer be this general public forum uh, that it is today? I think it'll there's there's a difference between designing for consumers and designing for business results. Mm-hmm. I think privacy the way that they're talking about it feels designed for business results mm-hmm. with a byproduct being that's what consumers are talking about mm-hmm. as the as opposed to the other way around. I definitely agree with that sentiment that pretty much everything we see that comes out of Facebook is a here is what Facebook would like the world to be like (laughs) and and trying to sort of force the world. I mean, I think, you know, um, threads is, is like that is that they, they see people using the close friends, um, you know, uh, tag or whatever on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, Oh, what if we made close friends its own app basically? (laughs) Um, because Facebook really wants to keep your close friends and your communication with close, close friends on, on their platforms. Mm -hmm. But I think that Close friends was always sort of a hack on top of Instagram because in- people's following on Instagram got too big, and so they were not sharing the same level of intimacy uh, as they as you know I think people mm-hmm. used to originally on Facebook on Instagram. It's the same thing that we see with the portal devices, and we see with Libra. These are all things that Facebook would like to be 
possible in the world and that probably were possible in the world a few years ago. Um, But consumer trust of Facebook has drawn a sharp line around the things that they are allowed to do and they're not allowed to do. And even Threads, which I I would argue is closer to being inside the line because it is a social media um, app that is building on behavior that we're already seeing on Instagram, it still feels like it's on the other side of the line for at least for like 95% of the people who Mm -hmm. are their audience. I mean, it still feels like Facebook designing products and services for a world, the way that they wished the world looked rather than the way that it does look. Right. And when they had more consumer trust. Right. Because, like, again, when I look at threads, it says, you know, you can share your, your location, your speed, and more in, in a way that's <laughs> it's very, you know, deep uh, level of access to, like, your personal phone and where you're at on your, like, location, right? Like, to me, like, this is something that Apple does with, like, Find My and, like, yep. that, like that product. And so it's very similar to that paired with, let's say, iMessage. Um, but again, like, I don't think people want to know or, or give Facebook access to it. It's like, hey, here's where I'm at today. Well, and that, that's just the thing is I think there is a market for a product like that, but I think it has to come from someone that is not Facebook. I think, or I mean, I think that to reach a large share of the market, it has to come from someone who is not Facebook. Uh, I think Apple could do it. I think that it's probably more likely that Snapchat could do it, that a new third party that we don't haven't found yet might also be able to do it. Yeah, I was going to say even more broadly than Facebook, I think an advertising-based business model is at odds with a product like that because, Mm -hmm. I mean, Google said at their recent conference that they were forthcoming about the fact that they do collect very intimate data about you and they were very clear with how they use it. Mm -hmm. I think unless threads is or unless a threads-like product is positioned like that, we are collecting data, we are being transparent about it, and we will do so-and-so with this. I think unless that delineation is clear, it becomes suspicious, I think, to consumers where Facebook is not being forthcoming, whereas with earlier products, when they do say it's not an ad-based business model, the data that they're collecting will not benefit advertising. When it comes out later, it does. I think (laughs) you can only do that so many times where it becomes you're obviously benefiting the company as opposed to benefiting consumers and designing for consumers. Yep, absolutely. And and to that point, when we talk about their pivot to privacy and messaging, right? Like they're already rolling out beta tests of uh, ads for groups. So yep. how do you define privacy, right? <laughs> it's like it's they're keeping your data private, but they're still going to stick ads in your private group or your public private group. It's kind of it's a fine line to your point. And it seems like, it, like, like they, they keep, you know, two steps forward and like three steps back on that. Just go out and say, hey, we're going to target you. <laughs> and, right. And I, I think the point of what we're trying to say is advertising is not the problem. It's the, the thread and the friction point is the lack of transparency right. about where the data is going, how it's being used. If it's under the umbrella of privacy and protection right. and you put ads in it, it's a conflicting message there. Yes. Yeah. Just let us know. Let the consumers know. Because um, to your point, it'll just be like that transparency, I think, is what people are looking for nowadays. Um, and there's a lot less of a backlash uh, when you're open and honest about that. Um, but kind of speaking of just like where consumer attention is going, obviously, like we've seen a big shift this year into like these more niche formats and communities like Reddit obviously has been, has been blowing up uh, platforms like Imager, which is kind of like the Reddit 
or I guess the, like the image based visual version of Reddit. Um, and it's really focused on like forming these niche communities, niche communities around things that you are super passionate about. Uh, so if you're a consumer and you want to talk about dogs, uh, specifically, you know, Dalmatians, like they have Reddit has a whole subreddit for you to go and talk to. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see is like where this consumer tension is going more towards these niche environments uh, as they, I guess, peel away from Facebook and these, you know, maybe even Twitter or larger platforms. Uh, but how do you guys see these kind of like communities developing? Like, how does that change uh, not only consumer behavior, but like us as advertisers, like how do we, you know, get into those environments and you know, provide value? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about, um, you know, you, you mentioned Facebook introducing ads into, into groups. And I do think that that is one way of targeting without um, using user data, really, is by going into these more niche communities. You know, if, for example, if it's talking about dogs, that's not very niche. But yeah. you do know that the people <laughs> who are there are there to ask questions and trade information about taking care of their dogs. And uh, if you are a pet care product or have a pet care mm -hmm. product, that's an obvious place to advertise to them. And you don't need any personally identified information because you know that those people care about dogs right. um, and probably you know 90 something percent of them uh, are dog owners uh, and I think that um, you know I think we don't totally trust that Facebook is going to going to let you do that but places like reddit I think give you an authentic channel to work within and I think reddit's ad products tend to be more native to those mm -hmm. formats and so it, it really is about coming into those communities and offering value as a brand um, right. and and not just saying, hey, here's my dog food and please buy it. Right. Uh, but like giving you more uh, in, in the in the vein of like, um, you know, branded content and articles and things like that. All of the, if you kind of trace how our society is like formed groups, basically, it was tribal and then was neighborhood mm -hmm and then went into this mass digital channel. And now what's happening is it's almost being regrouped back into neighborhoods that aren't bound by geography. And those geographic bounds are not, what's they don't matter yep. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really just a natural evolution of how we as a society organize. I think it's not mass and it's not individual. It is community-based and it's mm -hmm. around going deeper with fewer things, people, causes, movements, whatever it is. And I think that if you take that kind of into brand implication territory, I think what that means is that if I belong to a group that I care deeply about, I care about what other people in that group are saying, their opinion matters to me, I trust them. There's a higher level of trust there. Mm -hmm. And so I think more and more, you were mentioning articles in education, I think word of mouth is um a big way to tap into creating meaningful connections between brands and consumers. And I think, look, you can't say create word of mouth. It's the same as saying <laughs> like create virality. But I think the idea of understanding each individual consumer, what they care about, what makes them tick, what groups they belong to mm -hmm. and going deep and sustaining interaction across multiple touch points, I think is going to be the thing that makes me as someone that's passionate about my community say this brand showed up in, uh, these ways in very meaningful places in mm -hmm. very meaningful, deep ways. I am going to recommend that to someone. It's, it's almost like how attention has been fragmented. I think the same way that influence and, engagement mm -hmm. is being fragmented but then shared kind of bottoms up yeah and so it's kind of like you know like a brand comes in as part of the community rather than like you know 
I guess like running the community, right? It's like they're like they're like a member that like shares those same interests. Uh, you as a consumer do as well. So it's, it it just feels you know you know authentic. I guess is the best way to describe right. it. Right. Yeah, and I, I also want to just mention quickly that when we talk about niche, like we aren't necessarily talking about like the community size, but like the content vertical. Because uh, for example, on Reddit, there's a subreddit called Bird with Arms. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a subreddit where people just Photoshop arms onto birds uh and it's a very specific niche content vertical however they have about two hundred and seventy-five thousand members in that one subreddit uh so these very random specific niche content verticals can be very very large uh and i think that's kind of you know like the benefit that's out there for brands to really be a part of um and again like they're not limited to just like forum-based platforms like reddit uh or imager uh but there are new fat platforms out there like next door that's all about social media but for like neighborhoods uh there are messaging apps like we talked about snapchat is big in that uh slack is used for communities for example i'm in a podcast community that has like three thousand people in it we just talk about podcasting and tech is fantastic uh to like discord right like discord is like the number one place to have gaming communities uh they have just you know thousands of servers where people go and talk and discuss you know different tactics around games to be a part of that culture uh and again it's those are in those more enclosed environments that maybe are a bit more difficult for brands to get access to but you know that's where you find some really passionate individuals that are you know in there talking about these these things that they love but i think the very fact that you can study that attention is exactly what brands need to do i think slapping an old business model on a new attention paradigm is not the right way it's like how attention shifted to mobile. You can't just repurpose 30 second TV ads to fit mobile and expect it to be influential. I think it's the same. And of course, ad formats and advertising strategy always lags attention as it should. I don't think advertising should dictate the platforms that consumers spend time on. But I say that to mean that I think advertising will shift and shape around kind of mm-hmm. a new type of attention, whether that's 15 second spots, whether that's seven second spots, whether that's more branded content that's easier to produce, whatever that format is, I think mm-hmm. we'll start to see more evolution towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think like there are a lot of great companies out there already kind of working on that like one company called juke and media they have a whole studio for for brands to uh think about six second creative vertical video format uh so if you're ever, ever interested in this like how do i really like what are like those best practices for a six second vertical video you know they have a whole content team arm that's de- dedicated to just building six second video clips for brands to fit in these environments where uh, it feels like extra content rather than an advertisement which i think is like the the whole point of what, what, what we're trying to get at here um but it's kind of thinking about like, you know, again, how content or not content, but how social media is shifting and changing. Um, and we're starting to see more and more, I would, I would say startups really focus on it and even platforms focus on re- rewarding creators, giving them the credit, the the money, the whatever it might be for creating content. Um, you know, do we think we're going to see like, like the shift in social media that'll be more focused on creator led uh, environments versus like lean back, like consumption environments? Yeah, I definitely think that it is now something that people that that 
companies launching social platforms think about um, in from the beginning is how we can how they can build a community of creators. And I don't think that that is just um, in social. I think that it's something we're seeing sort of across the board. We talk about this in terms of what's happening in gaming as well, um, in terms of uh, Fortnite's creator mode, and you know, obviously things like Minecraft and Roblox. Um, and there's an increasing, and we talked about it when we talked about Facebook Horizon. There's an yep. increasing sort of um, recognition that that well. I'm not sure how much of it is a recognition and how much of it is a desire to create a community based around creative tools inside of a platform. Um, I think a little bit, sometimes it can be used as a, we don't know exactly what to do with this, which is, I think, where, where it's coming from <laughs> with, with Facebook Horizon. Uh, but, you know, if you can give, if you do give people tools and they can make interesting, compelling content with it, um, obviously that can create a, a nice feedback loop um, for for attracting an audience. And it's always going to be, I think, a relatively small percentage of the users who are going to be creative in mm-hmm. the, that way. But, um, you know, it, when there is a new platform and it does start taking off, like we saw with TikTok, uh, the early days are the days when you can build, uh, grab a, a large audience and build um, and build a following from there. And if you want to be an influencer on one of those platforms or a creator on one of those platforms, uh, the earlier you get in and the faster you can develop your own sort of style, um, I think the more successful you can be. Of course, that depends on the platform actually taking off and, and right. remaining sustainable in, in, in and of itself. But I think this new crop of creator tools like Patreon are excellent because I think it forces people to put monetization behind the context that they need to have in order to grow and sustain a following. So as as we continue to talk about influence, like, and we talking and we were talking about these ideas of these connected communities, do we see like um, uh, I, I guess um, emergence of the two where these groups kind of become these influence like influential groups where people go and there's not a one identified person that is the influencer, but it's the collective uh, that is and I, I guess navigating or distributing like that influence to users. Yeah, I think we kind of already do see that with certain communities like like on Reddit, where um, in certain categories, especially around products, like I, I think this happens in cosmetics, mm-hmm. um, and I think it happens in certain like home product categories as well. You tell me um, the uh, birds with arms subreddit. So uh... <laughs> the birds with arms <laughs> might be, they might be able to influence... Uh, which kind of birds people adopt as pets? Uh, I don't know the ones that are going to look best with arms. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I think that I think that we are, you know, in some categories already seeing that, and I could one hundred percent see um, sort of a collective authority emerge from well curated communities, from communities where people do f- find that you know the the best reviews and, and content and advice is is upvoted. Obviously, that has a lot of to do with the community that is fostered and the the um, moderators and how they they build that community but i think it 100 mm-hmm. is um, possible that that might become more widespread going forward you know to your point um on 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 facebook actually there was a group that actually uh, outgrew what facebook could offer it from their needs uh as like a private group so it was called what would virginia wolf do and it was a group for uh i believe women age 50 plus uh to kind of gather or you know in a community with like-minded indiv- individuals and talk about the different you know triumphs and challenges that they go through as well just like you know share memes that they like um but what happened with them is they actually uh like i said um outgrew uh, Facebook and what it could offer them to sustain their actual group. Uh, so they pivoted outside of it, built something completely custom, and, and are now charging a subscription to their members to be a part of this group. Um, 
so like you know that's just interesting to kind of think about right where it's just like where all this uh you know conversation kind of started was like on these big platforms and now we're seeing people actually split off and develop their own you know very vertically specific you know paid for content uh communities that their memberships too. Um, so again, it's kind of thinking about how that consumer behavior and attention is shifting. You know, this is one other area where we're going to start seeing paywalls kind of pop up where it used to be just in uh, publisher forms, maybe with the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Now, just to get access to people where they're spending like their leisure time uh, and consuming media is now paywalled because they're very specifically want to be in part of this, you know, this one singular community. Yeah, I think we're going to see more of that. I think that there is value to um, putting a price on things. I think that it is um, the kind of thing that uh, we we see more commitment from people when they pay for something. And I 100% think that there are going to be communities that are going to ask you, um, just like there are you know, private, we're sort of seeing a resurgence of private member clubs um, in, in cities. I think we're going to see um, some of those actually have um, online components, but I think we will see private member clubs online also that, uh, that exist you know, that come with a monthly fee, maybe you get to try it for, for a month for free or something, but maybe not. Maybe it's, you know, if it's, if it's low enough, it's, I think, totally reasonable to say, you know what, you can take a risk and pay $10. And if you don't like it, cancel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that that's totally, you know, that there are certain communities that, um, I think will value that level of commitment from people. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one private community that I am very excited about. It's called the Jacuzzi Club. Uh, and hopefully I'll be able to get into that one, but it's a community for makers of cool new brands. Uh, I got a t-shirt, but I'm excited about it. Uh, but to kind of think about it, you know, from a more brand perspective, right? Like we're starting to see this consumer attention again, shift away from, uh, these large social media platforms where there's very robust advertising, you know, system in place. There's a lot of products, there's, there's targeting, like there are things that we can do to target these consumers. Uh, and as we see more and more people, you know, go to groups, go to like, paid private clubs, uh, you know, Facebook's, I would say pivot to privacy. Um, it's lacking, uh, any sort of formal ad structure. Uh, and, 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 and in cases where people are paying for it, uh, it's going to be an ad free environment. Uh, so to start thinking about, you know, how brands show up in these environments is something I think all brands should be thinking about, um, as we kind of see this pivot, uh, in social media. Um, but with that, I want to move into brand takeaways. So you know, Adam and Christina, you're like, what are your thoughts? How should brands be thinking about, like I said, this, this larger shift in uh, consumer attention on, on social media today? I think that brands should take a cue from how consumers are choosing to identify themselves among the communities that they identify themselves with. I think if you are a home goods company and you sell vases and plates to consumers, you shouldn't, there could be opportunities to explore kind of what your consumers are interested in that are either adjacent or outside home goods. Mm -hmm. Um, The point that I'm trying to make is that consumers don't think in silos in the same way that brands think in silos. They care very deeply about things that aren't home goods at the same time that they're thinking about home goods. And so I would say, learn from your consumers what they are interested in from like a grassroots level and use that either to connect with them in new ways or in new spaces or um, with new kinds of messaging that encompass kind of all that they care about. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, how about yourself? 
Yeah, no, I, I think the only thing I would add to that is also that a lot of these communities are happening in new places and in new contexts. And it's uh, thinking about um, social outside of the channels that they have brands have traditionally been using, because a lot of these are happening in places that uh, like Reddit that do have, uh, you know, paid brand uh, ad products. Um, but a lot of them also happen in places that don't have any uh, necessarily paid ways for brands to engage. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be looking there for their communities. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, great. Well, with that, please let us know what your favorite niche communities are. We'd love to uh, follow and see what they're all about. Uh, and if you like what you hear, please share, tell your friends. Uh, whatever you can do, we, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. And once again, happy uh, semi-antennial, Floor 9. Woo!